Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at www.cwcsj.org for service times and directions. Today, we're, we're going to be, be sharing on the subject. We've been speaking on a series called Kingdom Family. And this week, we'll talk about kingdom men. Next Sunday, we're going to be starting on kingdom women. So, men, today's your time. Next Sunday, ladies, I'll be up in your Kool-Aid. And so, then a couple weeks after that, we're going to talk about kingdom children. And uh, on the the last message of this series, Pastor Sylvia is going to minister. uh, And the kids are going to come up and they're going to pray for the adults. And Because you got to understand, when the kids receive Christ... The kids don't get a mini Holy Spirit. They they don't get a a half little God inside of them or a little Jesus inside of them. They get the full measure of Christ. Amen. And I need you to understand, they they say that whenever you're walking out in, in, in the countryside and if there's a rattlesnake, the rattlesnake will let you know that he's there. And that it's better if you're going to get bit by a snake to get bit by an adult rattlesnake rather than a, a baby rattlesnake. Because a baby rattlesnake can't control the venom that it releases. I'm believing that when the kids come out and start praying for folks, that the kids aren't going to be able to control the amount of spiritual venom that they release to our, our families. Amen. So it's going to be amazing. But until we get to that point, we're going to talk about the men for a moment this morning. Amen. If you would stand to your feet and as you're turning your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 22, the Bible says that when God went looking for Adam and Eve after the fall, the Bible says that God went looking for Adam and he calls out to Adam and says, Adam, where are you? Didn't say, where are y'all? Says he went looking and said, where are you? Because when the fall of Adam and Eve took place, God wasn't blaming the fall on Adam. I mean, on Eve. He was holding Adam responsible for it. And I believe that the the same is true today, that when we see the destruction or the disintegration in in our public school system, in our homes, in our society, and in our communities, it can be traced back to the missing of a man. A few weeks back, I made a comment on a Wednesday night that sent the church and uh, our social media crazy. When I made the statement that 99.9% of America's problems or the world's problems are the man's fault. And I had some men respond, no, no, no. In a marriage, it's 50-50. In a marriage, it's half the woman's fault and the man's fault. And there was this fight that was going on. And so let me just recant that and let me rephrase that to this morning. So there's no mistake. A hundred percent. A hundred percent of a problem in any marriage can be traced back to the husband. Now, now listen very carefully. The husband may not have caused the problem, but we are responsible for fixing it. Say it again, Pastor. We are responsible for fixing it. We'll talk about this in a moment. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. If you're there, say amen. If you're not, say oh man. 
It's on the screen for you. Okay? So I sought for a man. This is God talking. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall, stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found... But I found... But I found no one. No one. Lord God, may that not be true here at Christian Worship Center. Bow your heads with me as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to challenge you this morning. I want to stir up the men that are in this place right now. Because in most relationships, when you have a marriage that's taking place, women will, and again, generality here, okay? Don't, don't get all tripped up. Don't come after me, pastor. Don't, don't, go, don't come at me like that after this is over, all right? But we're talking generalities. Women are normally going to argue feelings, not fact. You never do this. You never take me out. We never go anywhere. You all, you're always mad. You always say this. You always, women are what they're saying in, 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 in generalities are, you make me feel like you never take me out. You make me feel like you don't love me. You make me feel like you don't care about me. And so when a woman says, I never or you always, the first thing a man goes to is, wait a minute, I told you I loved you when we got married 30 years ago. You should know that. And what's funny is I sat with my parents. I went to visit my parents recently. And on Friday, I went to see my dad. And when I went to see them, I ended up doing marital counseling. It's a very uncomfortable place when you are the son. And my mom recognizes me now. As when I first went into ministry, they, they were like, I know your faults. I know your mess-ups and all that. So they wouldn't, they wouldn't listen to a thing I have to say. Now I've proved myself throughout the years with my integrity in our ministry. Now they're seeking me out for marital advice. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there. I, I'm throwing flags. I'm trying. And I, I don't want to be there. I don't want to have to do this. I don't want to have to be the, the referee. But my dad said something that it's just so, it, it just speaks of men today. Well, she knows I love her. I told her when I married her that I loved her. And I want you to understand, gentlemen, that although a woman feels that way, it is our responsibility that God has placed the man as the head of the home. You are the CEO of your home. You know, let, let me, let me, you know, I, I love the way Dr. Dr. Tony Evans puts it. He says he got a call from a lady from the church that was upset that she had called seven times in the church and no one answered the phone. And so she got to him, and they have over 300 employees at their church. She found, finally got to him, and she told him off for the fact that the receptionist didn't answer the phone. And he made the comment here saying, I don't answer the phones at church. I got a staff that takes care of that. But as the CEO of the church, it's my responsibility to make sure that doesn't happen again. I want you to know that as the head of your home, gentlemen, that if your wife feels that way, then we have to find a way to make sure that she don't feel that way no more. Somebody say amen. It's our responsibility. And if you can't handle that responsibility, don't get married. It got quiet in here. I'm going to take you guys somewhere. I'm going to be all up on you. What's a kingdom man? 
A kingdom man is one who visibly demonstrates the comprehensive rule of God underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ in every area. Someone say every. Every area of his life. Let me, let me break it down in other words, okay? Kind of break it down a little easier to understand because, you know, we're, we're here on the east side right now. So we're going to get to break it down a little more. So in other words, a kingdom man is one who actively submits. Not one time submitted. Actively submits every area of his life to God. Come on, man, I'm talking to you right now. Let me put it this way. That means if you're a single man, it doesn't just affect my spiritual life, it affects my dating life as well. That I'm going to date this girl like Jesus would date. I'm not going to take her to bed before I marry her. I'm going to respect her. I'm not going to call her a bee. I'm not going to slap her around. I'm not going to put her down. I'm going to open a door for her. I'm going to close the door. I'm not going to honk when I pull up to the house. I'm going to go up to the door, knock on the door, walk in, and introduce myself to the family. Because it affects every area of your life. If you're a married man, that means you treat your wife the way Christ would treat the church. He gave himself up for her. Gave his all. That means if you're a businessman, that affects my wallet as well. That means that if you are a father, that affects how I deal with my children as well. That means if I'm a politician, that affects my integrity as well. And if I'm a musician, that affects my music as well. Say it again, Pastor. See, if you won't encourage me, I'll encourage myself this morning. See, gentlemen, someone told me last Sunday, they saw all the men that we have in the church, and they were blown away. They said, how do you get so many men in the church? I said, well, first of all, we have a men's home, so a lot of them are here by... <laughs> but the other thing is, is that we talk real talk to our men here. We, we, we're, we're straight with our men at our church here. We expect something from our men here. I, you know, it's okay to like football. It's okay to like cars. It's okay to like sports. It's okay, you know, to want to wanna be a man and go shoot guns and things like that. It's okay to cry if you're a man. We give men the opportunity to be a man at Christian Worship Center. All the men say amen. amen. Now fo follow me on this, all right? So I want you to understand, what is a man? It's hard to define a man in today's society because if we were to take a look that we have inadequate, illegitimate uh, explanations or er 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 errant uh, sources of what a man's all about. We're using media. We're using television. We're using uh, uh, music videos. You want to be a man, you got to have chains around your neck. You got to have about 40 women around you half naked that you're slapping their butts. And that's what shows what a man is all about. That is not a man. And so society cannot dictate or define what they did not create. If you are looking for the, uh, for the identification or the definition of what a man is, you're not going to find it in the media. You're not going to find it in the world. And so, ladies, when you're looking for a man and you're trying to match up a definition of what a man is off of media, you're going to end up with a boy instead of a man. So what is a man? Let me show you what a man is. Check this out. Bishop used to tell a story about Adam and Eve. When God made Adam, he instructed him to do three things. Work, cultivate, protect. 
down through history, men have always been measured by how hard they worked and cultivated, by how well they protected their wives and children. In the old days, women saw their men as conquerors, providers, heroes. But somewhere along the line, that changed. Women started becoming their own heroes. Maybe it was because their men forgot how to be heroic. Or because women didn't want to be protected anymore. Or maybe women had to be their own heroes because of the pain they had to endure in life. And we live in a world that's upside down right now. Come on. We, we, got, we got men abusing children. We, we, got, we got men using little kids as, as sexual uh, fantasies. We got men beating women. We got individuals that, 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 are, that, that are, we got kids that are shooting people, just walking into a store and opening up. Kids taking guns, going into universities and shooting them up. We got things going on. Why? Because if you were to trace down what's going on in people's lives, you can find that there is an absence of a man in their life. Someone to say, son, this is the way you do things. This is how you operate. This is how you treat a woman. This is how you deal with money. This is how you deal with depression. This is how you deal with anger. This is how you deal with bitterness. We don't have those men. They're absent today. And I need you to understand that when there's something out of alignment, I, there was a time where I, I was having not only a pain down my, my, my leg, but I was also having major pain in my arm. My, my finger and my thumb were going numb. And I went to the doctor and he said, I had a disc in my neck that had developed a bone spur and it was, it was out of alignment. And so as a result, although my arm was hurting, the pain wasn't coming from my arm. The pain was coming from misalignment in my neck. And many of us are experiencing pain in our marriages, pain with our children, pain in our finances, pain in in depression. But the problem isn't those things. The problem is misalignment. And when we are not aligned with God, when a man is not operating under agreement with God, when he's not standing in alignment with God, it shows up in your marriage, in your children, in your finances. It shows up in peace of mind. And so, men, we got to get things back in alignment once again. That's what church is all about. Listen, you don't need to come to church to get to heaven. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Just like going to your garage make you a car or going to McDonald's make you a hamburger. Or a donut shop make you a cop. Sorry. But I want you to understand something. What church does, it's an alignment. Every time you come, it's getting your alignment back into shape. 
It's reminding you that you got to get some things back in order. It's to get you back and operating. That way you can get rid of that pain in your arm, that pain, that sciatic nerve going on in your leg. You see, some of you are walking. You're married, you're walking, but you got some pain in the butt right now. Because you're out of alignment. And so I want you to understand, ladies, listen very closely. If you're a single lady, this lets you know what you're looking for. If you're, if you're a man, this lets you know where you should be. But there's three hoods that we're going to talk about real quick. First hood, I want you to understand that every man goes through three hoods. The first hood is called malehood. All right? When, when, when we're born, when we're, when we're conceived in our mother's womb, a couple months after that, all of a sudden, there, there's something that happens to see whether you, get the, whether you have the Y chromosome or the X chromosome. And that determines whether you're going to be a male or a female. And that Y chromosome is what all of a sudden determines the sexual nature or orientation of that child. That is determined when a child is being conceived, the moment that that egg is fertilized. From the very moment it's known whether it's going to be a boy or girl. We have to wait to see it, but the chromosomes are already have determined what that child is going to be. So from the beginning we know whether it's going to be a male or a female based on the chromosome that's been given to it. Follow me on this, all right? So malehood, every man, that identifies your sexual orientation, the sexual need. The problem is some men never grow up from being malehood. And they live their lives based on their sexual drive and nothing else. They make no decisions from here, only from here. They have no ability to make any other choice Because they live by malehood. But when that child, that baby begins to grow, the baby then becomes and moves into boyhood. And it's in boyhood that that it's identified and you can tell when you're in boyhood because it's immaturity coupled with dependency. You ever see little kids? Especially little boys. Them kids are everywhere. Pastor Matt brought in Nathan to the office this past week. Oh my Lord. He's cool as long as he's sitting there, but once you start interacting with them, or let me rephrase that, when I start interacting with them, I get them hyper. And he just starts fighting, he just starts coming. I want you to understand that with, with kids, kids, you, you, you couple immaturity with dependency. Always dropping things, always breaking things, always needing this, always needing that. And they're, they're based on the need of needing mommy to take care of them. Mommy, to, I need this. Mommy, I need that. Mommy, could you take? Mommy, I'm hungry. Mommy, I, I, can you get this? Mommy, can, and it's all based on that. And when you operate from boyhood, what, what, what's happening is that they're operating from a place where they always need someone to be responsible for them. And they're never able to take responsibility for their bad choices. You know you're dating a boy when he can never take responsibility for the choices he's made. It's always someone else's fault. You know, it's my parents, it was my neighborhood, it was so-and-so, it was my mom, it was my dad. There's always someone to blame for the situation they're in. And the problem is this, when you end up dating a man, looks like a man, you date a man that is operating only in malehood, all he's looking for is a lover. When you date a man that's operating in boyhood, he's looking for a mother. And so you got this dude that is, needs sex and he needs someone to take care of him. 
And so you're wondering, when you married this guy, you're like, I could work with him. I, I, can, I can help mature him. I can build him up. I can, I can work with this. Because a man marries a woman saying, man, I hope she never changes. A woman looks at a man and says, mm, I can work with that. Because women are into projects. They're into putting things together. And listen, ladies, that's why when you get frustrated with the man, you can't change or work. All of a sudden, there's always another woman out there that'll take someone you gave up on. And so that's why you're wondering, man, why do I got this sex crazed man that I always got to pick up after? It's because you're dating a male who is operating only in the hood called malehood and boyhood. He's never grown up. He just needs a lover, a mother, but he doesn't want to provide the cover. And so, some of y'all, if you need a mother, go back to mama. But mar- marriage is for big boys. Yeah. Marriage is for big boys. And, and ladies, you find that out while you're dating. You find that out while you're, while you're hanging out. And so I want you to understand that when you're able to move from boyhood into manhood. Everyone say manhood. manhood. Say it like you mean it. Manhood. Manhood embraces your role and responsibility. It's at this level of in manhood. You see, I want you to understand it's okay for a man to make, for, for a boy to make a bad decision when you're seven years old. But when you keep on making bad decisions, you're 25 and you're making bad decisions. You're 35 and you're still making bad decisions. You're 45 and you're still making bad decisions. 55 and still making bad decisions. You are not a man. You are a boy. I just got some of you mad right now. I hope I did. Because some of y'all never had a man in your life to tell you how to grow up and be a man. You walked into the wrong place this morning. Because you need to recognize what it is to be a man. Your wife is not there to take care of you. You're there to cover her. See, I, I love what, don't, don't get mad at me. This is Dr. Evans said this. <laughs> Any wife who has to take care of her man is actually taking care of a boy. Because that is a characteristic of boyhood. Y'all know where the hamper is. You know how to wash a dish. You know where the trash is. All right, let's move on. (laughs) Alignment is essential. And so with that, I want you to understand that being a man is about being able to take responsibility for your surroundings. And when we have the ability, when a man is able to stop and say, My addic- the addiction isn't everyone else's fault, it's mine. 
Our financial situation isn't everyone else's fault. It's on me. Our our living situation is no one else's fault. It's on me. I may not have caused it, but honey, I'm going to fix it. And in this house, you don't have to worry, baby, because I got you. You don't have to worry because I got this. You don't have to worry about where we're going to go. I got this. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to watch out for you. I'm going to provide for you. And I'm going to satisfy you. Why? Because I'm the man. I'm the man, not the boy. Alignment is essential. You know what? Talking about alignment, I want to introduce you to someone who, after being incarcerated on the run for years, involved with gangs, found himself having kids with his wife, but the, 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 the kids and his wife, and because of the addiction and the struggles they went through, everything was falling apart. But this man, somewhere along the way, decided, you know what, I want God to come in and take over. And he wanted to get back in alignment with God. And he came back in alignment with God, and God has done such a transformation in this man's life. He has done such a major and crazy things in his life that he is raising his kids, his six kids. He is raising them up in the ways of the Lord. He is being a man, a kingdom man. He's not looking back at the failures of yesterday. He's looking forward to the blessings of tomorrow. I want you to put your hands together and welcome with me Cisco Regalado as he comes and he shares with us this morning. Come on, Cisco. mouth started getting dry earlier. <laughs> know what's going on. But thank you again, Pastor Dan. I want to thank you for the opportunity for uh, giving me the opportunity to come up here. It's an honor to be up here to share the pulpit with the uh, man of God, the man of this house. Amen. I want to talk to you today about the demand for kingdom men. Now, I'm going to continue on the scripture, Ezekiel 22:30, where God searched for a man to stand in the gap. I believe that God is still searching for men today to stand in the gap on behalf of his family, on behalf of his community, on behalf of his church, a man who would rise up and take that responsibility and be who he was called to be. In fact, if you take a look around in society today, you won't have to look very far, nor would you have to look very hard to see that there's a demand for kingdom men, a demand for men to rise up, to be who they were called to be, to do what they were called to do. You see it in every family, every broken family where the man is absent. But yet he don't have to physically be absent in order to create a void. He could just simply not be uh, taking the responsibility as he was called to do. A man who, who has failed to lead his family in the ways of the Lord. You see it in our schools today. And I have a firsthand look because I have the honor of working in high schools here in San Jose. And I see the hurt, I see the chaos, I see the pain, I see these uh, uh, younger generation just repeating the cycles of their family, stuck in the same cycle in their families. In fact, 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 63% of all teen suicides come from fatherless homes. There's a demand today for kingdom men to rise up. You see it in our communities where homelessness and, and gang violence and uh, uh, the crime rate is high. It's at its all-time high right now in our community. 
You see it on every corner. I see uh, panhandlers on every corner, just about every busy intersection in San Jose today. And now when I look at them, now knowing what I know, when I look at them, I see them differently. it, It hurts me to see that at one point there was supposed to be a man in their life who was to raise that child. Somebody failed them along the way because they have no business being out there on that corner. They have no business begging or panhandling. So now when I see them, I see that somebody failed them sometime in their life because somebody had the responsibility to lead them and to raise that child up. In fact, even working in the schools, I understand that the meaning of it's easier to raise a child than it is to repair one. And I take that and I apply it to myself and I apply it to my kids. I see the struggles, I see the hurt, I see the pain. We see it even in our church today that there's a demand for kingdom men to rise up. Where men are okay with just coming to church and just sitting there not really stepping up and being that man, being that leader of their church, being responsible with what God has called them to do, taking their rightful place in the kingdom. If I can say this this morning, Jesus, he's not looking for fans. He's looking for followers. Fans, they show up every Sunday. They show up. And I don't say this to condemn anybody because what I share, I apply it to myself, too. I say it in hopes that it would convict some men in here today, convict them to rise up, convict them to be who God's called them to be, to want more, to desire more. I say it in hopes that it would convict you to be who God has has called you to be. Followers, excuse me, fans, they show up to church on Sundays and they recognize God as their creator, but they fail to recognize him as Lord, as master, as Yahweh, as their ruler. We learned last week about Lord. Whenever you see Lord in all caps in the Bible, it refers to God as as Yahweh, as master, as ruler. Followers, they recognize God not only as their creator, but as Lord. They, they recognize that he is their master. He is their ruler over all their affairs. They submit to him. They submit to his authority while advancing the kingdom of God. I believe we have some followers in the house today. I believe we have some men in here who are ready to raise up. Men who are ready to be followers of Christ and not just a fan. I've sat, I've sat by many years, and I counted myself out. I always said, I can't get up there. I can't speak. I can't do that. That's not my gift. And I counted myself out, and I realized that I was putting limits on God and what he can do in my life. I refuse. I refuse to put limits on God. I refuse to count myself out anymore. I understand the importance, the, the importance it is for me to rise up, for me to be who I was called to be. I understand it. I don't want to be wasted talent. We know about the parables of talents in the Bible where God gave some talents to men and he doubled those who did well with them. But the ones that didn't do nothing, he took it from them. I don't want to be wasted talent. I know I have a responsibility. Men, if we would simply manage well what God has already given us. If we would be faithful and fruitful with what we have right now, then will God give us more? God has given us a domain, a certain sphere of influence to rule in. And within that sphere of influence, the way we rule in that influence, the way we rule in that sphere and that domain is through our servanthood. We are called to serve those within that sphere. We are called to serve them. 
I realize that me being up here today has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with God. And God is so good because he makes it about you. I'm up here to serve you today. I'm up here to serve some men today, to encourage them, to inspire them, to give them hope. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And Jesus is not opposed to greatness. We were created for greatness. In fact, in order to get greatness in the kingdom, you must become a servant. You want to be great? Become a servant. Begin to serve those within your family. Serve those at your job. Serve those in your church, in your community. Be a servant. That's what we're called to do. And I recognize this. You know, as I, as I began to uh, read this book and understand the concept of a kingdom man, I began to see uh, how important it is for us as men to lead. I began to see the statistics of, of uh, fatherless homes, what they produce. And I couldn't help but take a look at my family. And I couldn't help but see that my family is not in a position where I, I wanted it to be at this time in my life. You know, because of my lack to rule well, because of my irresponsibility. And although I didn't know what I know now, I take full responsibility for what happened in my family. And it hurt me every time I opened up the book. It hurt me because I couldn't think but nothing uh, other than my kids and what my bad choices or what I did in the past, how it's going to affect them later. And conviction quickly turned into condemnation. And I was feeling condemned. And then I understand this, this important truth. And if anybody's in here that they feel they forfeited their right to rule in the past because of bad decisions or, or, the, uh, or of not knowing, I would iterate this to you this morning. That in order to move into what God has for you tomorrow, you have to let go of the past. You can't hold on to that stuff. The enemy loves to throw that in our face. And that'll keep you from moving into what God has for you tomorrow. Yesterday will destroy you, whether it's good or bad. And when I say good, if, if, if all you can talk about, even the good things that God done in our life in the past, it's okay to remember them. It's okay to visit them. But it's not okay to live in them. Because if all we can talk about, if all we can talk about is what God did in yesterday in our lives, then he's not relevant to us today. Amen. The Bible says we move from glory to glory. God wants to do something new in our lives. His mercies are new every morning. And it's for a reason. I choose to respond to that mercy in a different way now. I choose to be everything he called me to be. I choose to do that. And I understand how important it is. How we lead as men will play a large part in either the life or death experienced within our realm. That we can either lead those to a place of safety or to a place of chaos. Men, get this in your spirit. It plays a large part with the life or death experienced within our realm. That's a heavy that's kind of like a heavy load to carry, right? That's a big responsibility. I don't want to lead those in my, in, my safety, in my care to a place of chaos. I don't want them to experience death on my behalf. I want to do everything I can as a man and as a leader to lead them to a place of safety. I know the Bible says that he will bless a thousand generations because of your obedience. I want to be obedient. I want my children to be blessed. I want to set them up for success. I want, to say, I want to set them up for success. I want them to be blessed because of my obedience. 
I want my grandchildren and their children to be blessed. I want to set the standard. And I know it ain't going to be easy. It ain't always easy. Nothing's ever easy. If anything was easy, we'd be doing it. Everybody would be doing what's easy. (laughs) Amen? It ain't ever going to be easy. But I know this. A kingdom man knows this. That God never said living a godly life would be easy. He just said it would be worth it. Amen? I realize that we were not created to live at anything lower than what God has called us to do. I realize that we were not created to live at a lowered standard. Living at a lowered standard just doesn't affect you. It affects everybody around you. It affects your family. It affects your church. It affects your job. It affects your children. We were not called to live at a lowered standard. We were not created to live at a lowered standard. And I understand that there is a desperate need to raise the standard and to define manhood as God intended it to be. When you become a kingdom man, you don't change it to something that you're not. You simply embrace what God has called you to be. You embrace what God has called you to be. Everything that you need to accomplish his plans and his purposes, it's in you. It's in you. That's why Paul prays in Ephesians that, the hearts of, uh, that our hearts would be enlightened to know that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm belongs to us. Everything you need to accomplish what God has set you out to do, it's in you. It's in you. Our perspective has to change. We have to gain the kingdom perspective. I'm excited to be a man. I'm excited to be a leader. I'm excited for the calling that God has on my life. I pray that you would begin to be excited as well. It's not a burden. It's a joy. It's a privilege. It's an honor. I count it all joy. I thank God that he says he'll work all things together. Even my past mistakes, he'll work it together for my good. I have to let go of yesterday, and I have to move into tomorrow. I have to trust God with my children. I have to trust God that even though, based on my ignorance in the past, that God has a plan for them. That he has the power and the authority that he can cover them. And that they would become who he called them to be as well. Men, it's time to rise up. It's time to rise up. It's time to answer the call. Manage well with what you already have. He's given you a sphere of influence and he wants you to manage well in that. And then will he give you more. It's time. And I end with this scripture. The same one we started with. I searched for a man among them who would repair the wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land so that I might not destroy it. If God searches this house today, will he find a man ready to repair the wall, ready to stand in the gap for his family, for his community, for his church? Will he find a man today? I believe he will. If you can take a look at the screen. I now believe that God desires for every father to courageously step up and do whatever it takes to be involved in the lives of his children. But more than just being there, providing for them, he's to walk with them through their young lives and be a visual representation of the character of God, their father in heaven. The father should love his children and seek to win their hearts. He should protect them discipline them and teach them about God. He should model how to walk with integrity and treat others with respect. 
and should call out his children to become responsible men and women who live their lives for what matters in eternity. Some men will hear this and mock it or ignore it. But I tell you that as a father, you are accountable to God for the position of influence he has given you. You can't fall asleep at the wheel only to wake up one day and realize that your job or your hobbies have no eternal value, but the souls of your children do. Some men will hear this and agree with it, but have no resolve to live it out. Instead, they will live for themselves and waste the opportunity to leave a godly legacy for the next generation. But there are some men who regardless of the mistakes we've made in the past, regardless of what our fathers did not do for us, will give the strength of our arms and the rest of our days to loving God with all that we are and to teach our children to do the same. And whenever possible, to love and mentor others who have no father in their lives, but who desperately need help and direction. And we are inviting any man whose heart is willing and courageous to join us in this resolution. In my home, the decision has already been made. You don't have to ask who will guide my family, because by God's grace, I will. You don't have to ask who will teach my son to follow Christ, because I will. Who will accept the responsibility of providing and protecting my family? I will. Who will ask God to break the chain of destructive patterns in my family's history? I will. Who will pray for and bless my children to boldly pursue whatever God calls them to do? I am their father. I will. I accept this responsibility and it is my privilege to embrace it. I want the favor of God and his blessing on my home. Any good man does. So where are you men of courage? Where are you fathers who fear the Lord? It's time to rise up and answer the call that God has given to you and to say, I will, I will, I will. You cannot watch that as a man and not be moved. You cannot watch that and not have your heart stirred and say it's time to step up. Ladies, you cannot sit there and watch that and say I long for a man who would do that for me and my family. That's the standard by which God intended it to be. So where do we go from here? Every man, I'm challenging you today. How do we move forward? How do we take this next step? Where do we go from here? The first thing I challenge every man is this. Stop making excuses. From this day forward, no more excuses. From this day forward, I don't have another excuse to give. It's my responsibility. I'm not going to be a boy any longer. I'm not going to be a little child any longer. I'm going to take responsibility for my family, for my kids. And even if I'm estranged from my children, if they don't want anything to do with me, I'm going to reach out to them and do my best to make amends for the failures of yesterday and try to come back into their life today. It's a responsibility. It's 
You know what? Stop making excuses. Well, my dad wasn't there. All right. Pull up your big boy panties and move on. Because you know what? Not every father has been around. But you can't use that as an excuse any longer. You can't keep using that excuse to make the other generations pay. It's time to get over it and to move on. Dad wasn't there, but you have a heavenly father that has now stepped in and says, I love you with an everlasting love. It's time to rise up. No more excuses. Lastly, got to make a determination to advance. I can't make amends for the failures that I have as a father from yesterday how I've let down my kids how I've let down my wife because there was a time I was married to ministry and my family came second there came a day where I stopped and my wife says when is it our turn that was a blow because I was serving God you should understand But my number one ministry isn't to you. My number one ministry is to her. And gentlemen, that's what your wives want. They want to know you're not their number one in your life. Not your job. Not your sports. Not your car. Not your hobby. That they're number one. And when we let them know we're number one, they'll release you to do number two. That's not what I meant. <laughs> that didn't come out right. <laughs> they need to know where they're at. So I couldn't change yesterday, so I had to just start making new steps today. One step at a time. Hey, I know we've made some failures, but you know what? One step at a time. How are you going to change those years? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. How do you change your marriage? How do you change the culture with your children? One bite at a time. One step at a time. Bow your heads with me this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at www.cwcsj.org.